Welcome to tonight's episode of Myths and Stories. And say we have been uh, going over the history of the Cabal in our previous episodes, and we're going to be continuing that series tonight with part three. Uh, we're anticipating that this is going to be the th- the third part of a four part series. Uh, depending on how far we get tonight, that we may have to adjust those expectations, but that's what we're we're thinking uh, for now. So, uh, yay, yay. expectations. <laughs> Tonight's episode is a special episode, too, because I am doing this recording from my bedroom because my back is feeling like shit tonight. So, yeah, if I sound a little different tonight, I apologize. Say Zor is putting his body on the line to get content out. Yes. Don't say he's not dedicated. No one can say I'm not dedicated. That's right. I've raided from my truck in a thunderstorm (laughs) with hurricanes, gale force winds. Yeah, no, I'm just crazy, and I like doing what I like doing, and I don't like letting my body shut me down. Or things, simple, trivial things, like electricity. (laughs) Yeah, and tornadoes. I don't like that shit. Like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, so that's a thing. The the rating from a truck story is true, and how we did part of our day one for Vow, so. (laughs) It It was so awesome. My my truck has built-in internet, and I had my PS5 and a monitor set up in the back seat, and a little inverter plugged into the. I was like, "We're doing this," and it lasted a little bit until the inverter was like, "Oh my god, the PS5 pulls like 20 amps. What the hell's wrong with you?" And just shut down. And I was like, "Oh." Anyway, uh, yeah. So back to the Cabal. Uh, this is uh part three for our for our history of the Cabal, mm-hmm. and we we covered all the way up until uh basically the the beginning of of d2 yeah but i kind of want to go back in d1 just a little bit um because yeah. i mean obviously the cabal are there in d1 um it's the, the cabal aren't just the red legion and and the new what are we calling Keitel's forces um that's a good question i don't know if they've been given a name to be honest uh I mean, because most, Other than most just of the Cabal, the Cabal forces Empire. have like, that legion, right? Yeah, most yeah. of them have a legion. Well, it may, it may be, it may be going back to that. Because now here's a question, um, and this this could probably be answered back in our first episode. Did they have different legions or different houses uh, during like the days of of Acrius? I don't know that they explicitly state they did have houses or, or legions rather. Um, as early as they had the Praetoriate. And I do believe it's stated that the Praetoriate was designed by the first emperor or, or came into power alongside the first emperor, um, which would imply to me that they did have those factions at that time. Uh, but, so I guess I'm, yeah. I'm curious if now that Keitel's kind of in power, well, I say kind of in power, Keitel, Keitel's, and I know she, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. She is the but, empress, yeah. She is the Empress. She is Empress Keitel. She is the head of all Cabal right now, basically. Or the, the head of the Cabal Empire right now, correct? Yes. So that's... I'm, I'm curious if we're seeing this return to that uh, Empire state. Um, if, 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 they are key, if they are wanting to reinstate the, the idea of legions, or if they're trying just to just have a unified empire now. So, from what I can find doing some quick Googling, uh, the only name that's been attributed to Keitel's uh, current forces is the Imperial Cabal Legion. 
So the Imperial okay. Legion. So then, so then it seems like, but it does are, seem like there's are... one. Right. It does seem like she's trying to have a unified force, um, which seems like that's might be intentional to not have things like Callus and Gaul happen again. Yeah. Um, hard to say if this is born of a plan or just out of necessity, because there aren't a whole lot of Cabal left, at least narratively I, I speaking. Mean, absolutely. So, so, okay. So now that I've jumped ahead, now let's rewind a bit. <laughs> uh, so going back into D1, uh, there's not a whole lot of um, Cabal history happening there, right? Like it's mainly no. just scouts and scouting parties of this expanding empire um, yeah. under Callus's rule at the time, right? Uh, under Gaul's rule at the time. Under um, Gaul's rule. Right, because Callus had been exiled on the Leviathan. That's right. Yeah. We talked about and that it's, last time. It, it is difficult to say how long ago that exile happened, um, but by nature of Just Callus... Just we don't have a good time frame. Right. right. And, but by nature of Callus having the opportunity to drift in the Leviathan long enough to reach the quote-unquote edge of the universe um, and then do all of his little you know, exploration and, and shadow gathering after that uh, tells me that it, it's a pretty significant amount of time has gone by since gotta that, that coup. Um, gotta be. Gotta, gotta have been at least a couple of centuries. So I, I think it's reasonable to say that Gaul is most likely in power uh, at the time of D1, but he's back at the home world, you know, the Tor, Tor Bottle, uh, the Cabal home world, where uh, the legions that we are uh, having conflicts with in D1 are um, almost exclusively scouting parties and, uh, you know, looking for resources, not really expecting any kind of full scale warfare. Uh, and or or resistance of any type. Yeah, and they end up in the soul system, uh, supposedly uh, because of resources they can find on Mars. They they want to mine Mars and later Nessus. Uh, and lo and behold, they discover that not only is there one hostile species, but four <laughs> Vex Hive. Fallen us. Uh, <laughs> how's how's that for a welcome to the soul system? <laughs> right. Apparently, this is the hot spot in the universe to be. <laughs> so, needless to say, I uh, the yeah they they don't do much of political significance or or really even military significance during D one. Well, I was going to ask, uh, what are there ty- are there different houses or legions uh, that yes. were named during D one? Yes, there are. Um. So there were, uh, centered around Mars and Phobos was the Siege Dancer Legion. Um, they were a scouting battalion, uh, and they were in direct opposition to the Vex that were on Mars. Um, and specifically, so solely there just to deal with anything Vex. Uh, I don't think they were there to deal with anything Vex, but they set up shop on Mars, and where they set up shop had happened to be right outside the gate to the Black Garden. So they were dealing right. with Vex, whether they wanted to or not. Yeah. <laughs> whether we wanted to or not, we stepped into a war on them. 
<laughs> Fun fact, that uh, little bit of dialogue is in reference to the Siege Dancers, so it fits. God damn it. <laughs> That's too good. That is too good. Yeah. Okay. So we've got the siege the, dancers, the, the siege uh, dancers dealing with the with the gate mm-hmm. uh, to the black garden. Yep. Um, uh, we have the blind legion, uh, who I do not remember exactly where they were. Um, they may have been on the other side of Mars. No, that would have been the the red legion later on. Uh, I'm not entirely sure where the the blind legion came from. Um, we have the the sand eaters. Which, I, uh, they were. I like to eat sand. I think they were also on Mars. This is really bad. I'm trying to remember all of the old D1 planets and struggling <laughs> to do so off the top of my head. Um, it's this is this is the problem with a constantly evolving world or a constantly evolving video game that <laughs> some some things become irrelevant and you just don't like they just don't matter anymore and so like trying to remember back to that yeah no that's so that's a that's a hard thing to do it, it yeah. looks like um, uh i pulled up all of the the various legions here um it looks like they were all based out of mars during d1 um so we had the siege dancers that, which were the uh elite troopers led by Velas to arc from the infamous copy pasta at this point uh the yeah. sand eaters also found on Mars. Um, the Dust Giants, also found on Mars. Um, <laughs> and the Blind Legion, of, also found on seems Mars. Seems like a lot of sand-oriented <laughs> uh, uh, people. It makes, <clears throat> makes me think that, that, that Cabal's homeworld was very desert-like, right? Like very... Maybe. At least that's what it seems like. Because if they, it's definitely if they found they Mars and were to. like... Yeah, when they when they land on Mars and they're just like, "Hey, this is great. Let's start mining shit." That to me says like they they're used. I mean, Callus had uh, had uh, the the exile the Mister Waternoose uh, mm-hmm. exiled in a into in a, a desert. Yeah, sand. the the so yeah, so yeah. I'm curious. No, it's it's console Waternoose now. Oh that's yes, what it's, cool. that's what it is now. That's that's canon. No, no. <laughs> so yeah, so it it seems like they very much are like uh, um, uh, acclimated to a desert type uh, environment, uh, which is I think what 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 I think that's why they they stick to Mars, right? Like we have a little bit of Red Legion on Earth, but that's obviously because the Red Legion invaded Earth. But I can't mm-hmm. I can't think of anywhere in like anything of D one that there were cabal anywhere other than mars and the dreadnought i think that is exclusively where they were uh now there might have been a little bit on venus but the more i think about it the more i think that that might have been taken on venus yeah i don't think there were any cabal Cabal um from from the information i'm looking at here about the different legions and where they were located none of them are listed as being on venus um okay then then i'm gonna say they were they were exclusively to mars Because there's there's also something that, and I don't remember where I read this at, or if this is just my brain playing with me. Didn't the scions of, or the scions that were present on Mars, pull the moon of Mars, Phobos, closer to the planet? I don't know the lore card, but I do vaguely remember there being something about the scions had. I don't know if it specifically said pulled it closer, but had altered the orbit of Phobos for unknown that's, reasons. I think that's what it was. I think that's what it was. Altered the orbit. Yeah. 
That's that sounds more familiar. So yeah, and I I didn't know if there was any type of significance of that either. Not that stated as far as I could it, it didn't show up anywhere when I was doing research on it. I uh, I mean if it was just uh, a single lore card other than just that one little one off notice yeah. of it. Um so yeah, during D1, we had four primary legions. Uh, you had the Siege Dancers, which were the elite soldiers. Uh, you had the Sand Eaters, which were the most common. Um, they were the large scout legion uh, that was sent out uh, alongside the Siege Dancers. Uh, within the Sand Eaters were the Dust Giants, which were, is kind of a subdivision that was specifically the veterans of the sand eaters those that had proven themselves uh exceptional in combat um and then the blind legion which was uh the the science and research group of the the cabal uh that that were landed here um they were tasked specifically with incursions into uh vex um structures and research on that uh, to see if any of it could be used for the betterment of the Cabal Empire. So those Which were the a, main ones. A Cabal scientist we is a, a Cabal scientist is just a guy with a bigger gun. <laughs> that's, that's all it is, or a bigger drill, or a bigger right? drill. Yeah, yeah, that's all it is. So we had various tussles with these uh, these different legions throughout the the D one campaign uh, prior to Taken King. And most of them never amounted to more than a single strike. Uh, it was mostly just the, the city and the vanguard didn't want this warring species to be able to get a foothold somewhere. So they would send, a, send the guardian uh, or guardi- other guardians out to just, you know, kick them around a bit. Uh, right. Because guard- at, at that point in time, guardians were already dealing with fallen. Um, we'd been dealing with Fallen for years by yeah. that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the Vex, uh, what, did, did we really have a lot that we, we dealt with the Vex? We knew about um, the Vex, uh, because, you know, even as, like, Osiris right. knew about the Vex well before our Guardian Well, because even, around. like, I mean, we knew, we knew about the Vex back in the Golden Age with yeah. people like Maya Sundaresh and Clovis Bray. Like, Vex mm-hmm. have been here for a hot second. But they never really seemed like a threat. They weren't considered a very large threat at the time until essentially the Exo Stranger showed us, our player guardian, that the Vex were a big deal and were going to cause a bunch of issues via the the heart of the Black Garden. Um, Until that point, I think just because the Vex were doing things that weren't uh, immediately antagonistic against the city and a lot of the the terraforming that they were doing um wasn't obvious a lot of stuff is happening inside the planet sure uh so for the most part i think the vanguard just had better things to worry about at least in their opinion uh until i think you're right. discovered that there was more going on there and that and the fact that the that the vex do a lot of stuff uh inside a planet that that kind of like plays back into the cabal right like the Cabal are all, at least all the scouting parties that have been to the Soul System have all bought massive drills that are drilling into the planets, trying to get resources, and everywhere they've drilled, they just so happen to slam into, into some vex. sort of vex yeah. construct or mind or whatever, right? Like mm-hmm. they apparently they're they're like 
ground penetrating radar isn't very good it just they're just like screw it good good resource here go mine here and they go okay we go mine here now the cabal yeah, don't that's, even that's bother I, with ground penetrating anything I don't they're think just they like do. we'll find I shit when we drill do. into it uh, i think i think you're right <laughs> so needless to uh, say so yeah those were the the main legions we were fighting in d1 until the Taken King happened. Uh, and we talked about this a little bit before, but just to, to recap, um, the Taken King campaign, mission number one, is not us going to go fight Taken or go fight Oryx. It's actually us going to Phobos to deal with the cabal that are starting to amass there. Um, yep. They are Huge army. building up an army at Phobos with the intention of invading the city because they're done with the guardians kicking them around the system at this point. I I mean we were we we are were and are still are kind of a bunch of badasses. Mhm. So but when our guardian gets there, we find the cabal there either dead or already in combat with at that point uh unbeknownst to us taken. Um which then keys off this whole essentially cabal are just forgotten about after that first mission. They're like, oh no, this big bad. They really we gotta deal with him instead. They really are. Like it's cause I and I remember that mission, like you the whole you spend the whole first almost half of it kind of like going through these spaces and there's like little to no resistance at all. Like there's just no enemies. And you get to a certain point and then Oryx shows himself like he the taken king shows up as, as a giant taken king head and then tons of taken just start pouring in and the entire last part of that mission is you running mm-hmm. it's it's literally like get to your ship get the hell out of there we need to get away from this and we need to figure out what the hell is going on here with the taken stuff yeah uh, so when Taken King kicks off, uh, the Cabal do not, you know, the surviving Cabal, and they took huge losses. Uh, you know, Blind Legion, Absolutely. 35% gone. Sand Eaters, 58% gone. Dust Giants, 39% gone uh, from a Taken King scannable in, in that first mission. Um, so, like, huge swaths of, of their, are, their forces are just disappear. Uh and so when we're fighting our way through the the dreadnought, the um the the remaining cabal actually reach out uh to the cabal, you know, high command essentially, um, and the message they receive is capture or destroy the dreadnought at all costs. And so what they that's that's a big deal for cabal too. Yep. Like... Uh, and so what, win or don't come home. There is no lose. What they do is uh, they all of these legions seem to come under one banner, and they call themselves the Skyburners. And uh, the Skyburners are the ones then that uh, drive one of their ships into the side of the dreadnought as a way of opening a passage for Cabal troops to start flooding into the ship and in their hope either take it over or figure out how to destroy it i uh, ball ballsy ballsy move on these guys a little bit um we run into them in when when they fail to take it over they decide to destroy it uh where we uh run into the skyburners uh specifically during the bond brothers strike 
where two cabal commanders who are supposedly brothers uh, are trying to blow the dreadnought's core, either not realizing or not caring that doing so will take the entirety of the system with it. Uh, yeah. So dread since because if if y'all remember from the the uh, books of sorrow stuff, the dreadnought is not just a ship; it is also directly tied to the ascendant plane mm-hmm. um as well as oryx's throne world like he bonded it to that i mean so that's that's a lot of power in in one spot and for and if the if the cabal were able to if they were able to succeed there and just blow the thing up like that i mean system ending is 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 a very apt term yeah. there um, so needless to say, we put a stop to that because we kind of like the solar system where it is. Uh, <laughs> which for those of you that didn't get to play D1, absolutely phenomenal strike. Oh, I so hope they bring it huge back. Huge ass, huge ass cabal. Uh, uh, were they Colossus? Uh, or were one... they, or were they the, the big ones with the, with the feather head thing? They, let me look here. They, they, I think uh, they were Colossus. They each had like jetpacks. They weren't Colossus with the yep. the Gatling guns. Um, one of them had like it laid down a bubble essentially, if I remember correctly. Yep. On like a heat shield yep. bubble, and the other one. Yep. And he was completely immune in there, yep. and the other one would just constantly slam into you mm-hmm. with this fire attack. And this whole thing, the entire arena is completely open. All you have is the central pillar that they're trying to blow up that's rigged with explosives, and you're literally just wailing on these two bosses this whole time. And it's it phenomenal fight, super super fun fight. Definitely hope they bring it back. Yeah, I hope so too. Uh, but we we deal with them, and that's kind of the the only major interaction we have with the cabal. Um, from that point forward, I uh, right, and because the next one was the next thing was Rise of Iron, and that was all Fallen and Siva. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what what we do discover is that you know having been beaten back at every front against you know every enemy or at least every enemy we're aware with uh aware of uh the cabal finally send a distress signal to the cabal homeworld saying our scouting parties are not enough for this and that distress signal ends up reaching uh torbottle and dominus gall and so he does what he has done with countless worlds before. He mobilizes the Red Legion, which is the, the task force specifically designed for conquering and destroying worlds, which had prior never suffered a defeat. Man, what, a, what an army. Like, that's... Whew, that's a That's a... That's a bunch... That's a hard act to follow, right? Like, <laughs> we have never suffered a defeat. We are badasses. Suck it, world. Suck it, universe. Yep. So uh, that brings us into D2, the, the main, the vanilla campaign of D2. And uh, if you have not seen the cinematic for this, if you happen to be someone oh that, that started the game afterwards... Uh, I highly recommend just look it up on YouTube. It's it's definitely out there still. Um, but we are greeted awesome. with this this stormy night, and it's uh following um, Zavala and Ikora, and at the time Cade, 
uh, in the old D1 tower. And they're talking about, you know, how bad this storm is and they're keeping an eye out for things. And Zavala's like on edge because something just doesn't feel right. And he's telling them, you know, check, check the satellites, make sure that nothing's coming at us. And Ikora uh, informs them all that like, we're, we don't, we're not getting a feed from the satellites. And it's like, so they're not picking anything up. She goes, no, they're not there anymore. Uh, which is then shows in the, the clouds in the distance uh, as thunder is rolling in the sky. You start to see the, the hulls of these ships poke through, flying ever so slowly and menacingly towards the city. And they just Dallas unleash this huge volley of missiles. Uh, and you have Zavala go full, uh, full Sentinel. And, and put a bubble around everyone in the tower or everyone that can jump in it. Uh, and they just decimate the entire tower with this missile barrage. Um, and their, their goal is to uh, affix this webbing to the, the traveler who is floating inert over the city. Um... Our Such guardian, a cinematic. Such a good, so freaking good. K so good. goes golden gun and like golden guns a freaking ship out of the sky, <laughs> like ah! badasses. Uh, our guardian, for whatever reason, uh, was out somewhere else doing something else at the time, and that's, so that's always that's always <laughs> drove me nuts. Is like our guardian was literally not there. Like the greatest guardian, because I guess that's the that's the thing about guardians, like. Is, is there canonic obviously there has to be more than one guardian canonically right like yeah. that's the whole yeah, thing yeah. with fire teams and all that stuff like there there are hundreds of thousands of guardians but it always seems like our personal guardian is the savior is that is that supposed to be like canonical that that we are the savior or is it just like a generic like you as the guardian are the savior or are, are, are a savior rather than the savior so it's it's a little bit of both, but I think whenever you're in a main story mission, that you are the guardian. You are gotcha. the god-killing you know, guardian. Uh, but if you're in things like strikes or um, you know, patrols or those kinds of things, then you're, as far as the narrative goes, you're a guardian. You're just a guardian helping defend the city, basically. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of fill both roles, but anytime it's story related, you are the guardian, you know, the big badass of the city. That's that's kind of a cool way to to play it. Like that's 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 always intrigued me, and I've I've always loved that aspect of of Destiny is that you are you are not just a guardian, you are the guardian, but then they can revert back to you are just a guardian. Mm-hmm. Like I I love that that shift back and forth. But anyway, you're you're literally often. La La Land. Nobody has a clue where you're where you're coming from, but you're flying in, and the ghost is like, uh, "You didn't want to decrypt your stuff at Rahul, so you went to the reef to <laughs> go talk to their cryptarch, and you come back, and the house had is to, on fire." Had to hang out with Petra for a bit. <laughs> That's literally what it was. Like you fly in, and you fly in, and it looks like smoke, for, or it looks like clouds, right? Like a rainstorm or something. There's thundering mm-hmm. happening, and you bust through the clouds, and the city is on fire. Like it is literally on fire. There's this thing stuck to the side of the traveler and shit is hitting the fucking fan. 
Yeah. And so you, I'm not going to do a play by play of the entire mission, but, um, you, we should, it's so good. <laughs> it is good. I, I, I do. I do miss the D2, uh, vanilla campaign that like that's it, that is one thing that i wish we had is just like a playable thing right like a, yeah. just go play the mission type thing as as much you know as much shit as d2 vanilla got and rightfully so for a lot of a lot of things that were going on with it they had, i feel like they had some a large majority of the criticisms were around the systems not around the story that not was told story. for the most part the story um, was fantastic. I would, I would love to see them. I would love to see them bring all the campaign information back. But you know, we, the, we might do. We, we, um, hashtag future episode spoiler alert. Oh, <laughs> we we might do a an episode on the D two vanilla campaign for all of you non D two veterans out there. Well, we're gonna do a good majority of that in this episode. So. Because <laughs> it pretty much all deals with the cabal. Absolutely. Um. So we so we land in the hangar. We yeah. fight our way through the tower. There's cabals just constantly pouring in. Ikora Nova bombs a ship and then rides it down to nothing. We keep going through. We get to the end of it and we come face to face with or no. Uh, Amanda Holiday picks us up yep. and takes us up to one of the command ships. Takes us up to the command and, ship. Um. And we come face to face with. A very important cabal. Yeah. So, uh, and the reason why we uh, gravitate towards that command ship is not just because we know, oh, you know, cut off the cut off the head of command kind of thing. Uh, it's because news has reached us that uh, the commander of the cabal that are attacking us has captured the speaker and he is being held on that ship. And that's that's our main driving force for for boarding the ship is to get the speaker back. Uh, for those of you that don't know, the speaker was a very important person in D one. Mm-hmm. He doesn't exist in D two anymore. He does not. So, uh, he was he, he was very important then. He was a political, but also a religious um, figurehead for kind of the worship very of so. the traveler and and the light in general. Absolutely. Um, and that, and even even the vanguard themselves, right? Like that's that's kind of how the vanguard, like the vanguard. I see the I see the vanguard is like the military side of mm-hmm. of that. I think that's accurate of that political uh, arena, and then the the speaker is more like the religious side uh, of the of the vanguard, you know, of 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 the tower. Yeah. Uh. But so we're we're going to try and rescue the speaker. Um, who uh, Gaul has captured alive specifically because of the speaker's attachment to the traveler who Gaul has this fascination with. Uh, and so we, we board the flagship, which was named the Immortal. Um, we destroy its shield generator uh, so that there can be a concentrated aerial attack by uh, Amanda. Um, or that's the intention of a concentrated attack on this ship. Uh, but the attack never materializes because the Cabal are just beating back the forces elsewhere in the city to the point where they, they can't assist us. Uh, Gaul personally steps forward out of his ship to face the Guardian, the player Guardian. Um, and as we are about ready to face off with him and show him just what god-killing badasses we are this web 
around the traveler activates and cuts us off from the light of the traveler and uh in in the scene like our guardian essentially just hits the floor like they they all of their strength leeches from them our ghost falls out of the sky is still is still alive barely seemingly um but cannot fly anymore under its own power uh and our our guardian goes from this like all right i'm gonna kick your face in to uh literally like curled up in a ball uh huddling you know hugging the this the ghost to their chest as straight up fetal position like loss of strength yeah uh and gall uh has a little bit of, of a speech here um you know you are not strong you do not know what strength is you have just forgotten the fear of death uh he says i command legions conquered worlds waged war across the galaxy to prove my worth i alone am worthy of the traveler's light i uh, and then he promptly kicks you off the deck of his ship which is which is high above the city at this point high like, yeah we're not just like <laughs> we're not just like floating like 30 feet off the ground or anything we're like we're like up there. We're a couple couple hundred feet above the city, and he just kicks you off like sucks to suck, loser, and you you just you fall. You just plummet, and you plummet like it's it's it amazes me the the like how how much of the the being connected to the light is is a strength for the guardian themselves because I mean when they when it when it cuts off like we are visibly. Uh, defeated i mean it's it's we're crippled like physically crippled we're it's it's such a it's such a powerful moment there and then gall to be just standing over us and be like suck dude yeah suck it and just kick us off like one foot kick us off the edge of his ship and be like nah i'm good i'm gonna take this shit and this is mine now and the the way i think about that is not i i i wonder and i i think maybe this is this is what they're going for because Obviously, we have seen even in the present game um, guardians that have lost their connection to the light, you know, via their ghost being destroyed, uh, that are certainly not as able as our, you know, ghost having guardians, um, but they're not crippled to that degree. So I think it was probably a combination of like the shock of going from, oh, sure, I am superhuman to, I am mortal and I have literally never felt that way before. Uh, yeah. And that just like, this is going to be a change that needs to be adjusted to. Um, Absolutely. So it kicks us off the, the immortal. Uh, we plummet into the city below. Do not know how we survived that. Just saying. Uh, we literally wake up in a crater. There is literally like you, when you wake up there, you are in the center of a crater. So we fell with some with some force. Uh-huh. <laughs> um and our our guardian, you know, kind of goes on a an a little adventure to rede- rediscover a connection to the light. Uh but while they're because this is not a guardian episode, this is a cabal episode. While our guardian <laughs> is off doing their thing. Uh I like I like how you did that. <laughs> we're we're just going to we're not, we're they they do some shit. We're just gonna. Yep. They do some shit and they get the light back. Uh, but while they're doing that, the cabal have completely um 
taking control of of the tower and presumably a, a majority of the city uh the Absolutely. citizens of the city are in hiding um in whatever buildings they have cabal are patrolling the streets looking for stragglers well and they're even setting up uh fire bases around mm-hmm. earth like there's yep. the what firebase hades yeah firebase hades out in, the, out in the edz yeah i mean they're 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 taking over they they have found they have found this great thing, the the traveler with the light, and they have come to say, "We are not going to lose. We are cabal. We are here to conquer the universe. That is our soul. That that is not just our sole purpose. That is our birthright as cabal is to own the universe. Mm-hmm. And and so for them to for them to come in with this level of force and to just completely decimate is not, at, at least on the cabal side, is that's not unheard of." Like that, that right. this is literally a non, th- this is, this, this is, is a legion do. that is never lost. This is what this they've is been what they doing. do. Absolutely. Uh, so while the guardian is off doing things, um, Gaul now has control of the, the tower, has the city under his martial law. Um, and he has a number of conversations with the imprisoned speaker. Uh, because he is just enamored with the traveler and this idea of the traveler choosing someone to be a, a light bearer. Uh, and Gaul wants to be chosen. He is uh, using the speaker as a conduit to speak to the traveler or get information in front about the traveler as to, like, how do I show that I am worthy? How do I make the traveler see that I am the correct choice for, for this gift. And this is where we see a bit of a divide between Gaul and the consul, who has been, you know, his, his closest advisor, as well as kind of the mastermind behind his rise to power in a lot of ways. Um, and, and, and even to go as far as, say, as a father figure. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I, you know, certainly raised him. Absolutely. And the consul sees the traveler purely as a machine, sees it as, as a tool yep. to be used. And he tells Gaul, like, look, you have this, this light, uh, this technology that can seal the light away. It won't be hard to adjust that technology to funnel light into you. So just take what you want. Take it. You are Cabal. Yeah. And uh, Gaul is, is very doesn't want to do that. He's very reluctant to do that. He wants to be chosen. He wants the approval of the traveler and to be gifted this. And that's that to me is interesting. Like that's that's almost like a like a psychological level like is this oh, absolutely. Is, does he want to be does he want I mean this very much is like an abandoned child who is who has been raised as a gladiator and and raised to take down Callus now is seeking approval from something like See, there's yeah. there's a lot of stuff to be said on a psychological level there oh absolutely and i i think he sees the traveler with a certain kind of of divinity a certain kind of reverence of like this is a god of the light or at least that's the vibe i get from some of his dialogue um, Absolutely, and he want he he is he's looking for approval. He's looking for somebody in his life. Even the consul uh, has only ever seen Gaul as the means to their own end. You know, for revenge, Absolutely. for power, for protection, whatever it may be. And Gaul as a tool, is basically yeah, 
And Gaul is saying, no, I, there's this thing that in his eyes is universally the judge of who is good, of who is worthy. And I want that thing to, to validate me, to validate my existence. And that's, that, that's an interesting th- thing, too. Gaul even sees the light or the traveler as good, as just inherently good. And that was something that we talked about in, in our Light and Darkness saga. Mm-hmm. The light itself isn't inherent. It's, it, it really is just a tool, but Gaul definitely sees it as, at least the Traveler itself, as a god, as a, as a you know, all these, all these guardians that have driven back all my scouts and defeated all these scouts and, and have just completely decimated my forces throughout the entire, I mean, and, and even, the, even the Taken, right? To, for the Taken to, mm-hmm. to have done all that with a darkness. And so that's that's where it's like Gaul is seeing this as like this is all powerful. I need to be chosen by this. Yep. I need to be seen because I because I because I am who I am. I need to be seen as the chosen one basically. Yeah. Now all that being said, that doesn't mean that he doesn't that Gaul doesn't recognize some military strategy here and want to make sure he has all of his bases covered. And in order to do that, he sets up his prized worship called the Almighty uh, and makes it, you know, gets it in position and prone and ready to go so that it can destabilize the sun to, and force it into a supernova to just wipe the system out altogether if he deems that the best course of action. Um, so he's got that prepped and ready to go. As we're- that's that's something we discover as we're going through the yeah. the campaign is that he's got this ship that is literally the like the the places that he couldn't subjugate or couldn't um bring into the cabal he just destroyed the entire system he just wiped it out it's not like he just blew the it didn't just blow up like one planet or kill a settlement he literally destroys the sun makes the sun go supernova to destroy the entire system mm-hmm. and then moves on to the next one and it's referenced like in the campaign that that that's something they've done more than once before. Like that's pretty regular, yep. you know, a regular thing. If they can't completely conquer, um, a, a system. Uh, so he's got the almighty. In addition to that, he starts dictating where, um, some auxiliary forces will go. He sends some forces to the European dead zone to hunt the remaining, uh, now mortal, you know, most of them except us guardians. Uh, who have fl- who were able to flee the city? Um, he sends some to Io to mine the remaining energy from the traveler there, because that's there's still a lot of the traveler's light energy because it was in mid terraforming. Um, before that's, it left, that's a potential source. Uh, I, I he sees Io as a potential source of manufactured light. Yes, yeah. He he wants to try and see can I pull the energy, the latent energy of the traveler, out of io and put it into some usable form um presumably some weaponized form (laughs) right because cabal that's what they do it's cabal (laughs) their ministry of science is also the ministry of defense (laughs) that's that's the way i see that going the guy's like oh yeah we discovered uh plutonium hey we can atomize it and turn it into a bomb yeah oh okay cool let's do that That's the way I see Cabal Ministry of Science slash Ministry of Defense going. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. their Ministry of Defense, I don't think is a defense. I think it's like one of those like the best defense is a good, offense, a good offense. So their yeah. Ministry of Defense, <laughs> the the best their Ministry of Defense is actually their Ministry of Offense instead. <laughs> How that's, do we attack? But I attack think... more. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, so he's he's got those forces out there. He also sent a force to Nessus to study the Vex on Nessus, um, and he sent a, Which, a force to again, Mars for those of you that, to reinforce the for Cabal. Those of you that, that don't know, there. real quick, mm-hmm. uh, Nessus is a real thing. I didn't realize that that was a real thing. It's actually in our solar system. It's in between. It's mm-hmm. a dwarf planet in between. Uh, it kind of has a weird orbit, but its main orbit is between Saturn uh, and. Uh, I always forget if Neptune or Uranus is next. Which is the next one after Saturn in our solar oh, system. You're going to put me on the spot. I want to say Neptune. I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. I, I'm going to say Uranus just because Uranus. I don't I don't usually pay attention <laughs> to the planets that far out. <laughs> uh, they, don't, they don't matter past Saturn anyway. <laughs> no, you're right, you're right. It's Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and then Pluto if you count it. Uh, I'm counting Pluto. Pluto <laughs> deserves a spot on this council, and he's the whole reason why the darkness was let in anyway, because we neglected to... No, I'm not going there. This is a Cabal episode. This is not about uh, but yeah, Ness... uh... <laughs> But yeah, Nessus is a, is a real dwarf planet. It was discovered, I want to say, in like uh, 2000... No, maybe 93, 95? I mean, it's, it's a very recently discovered planet, so... But it is a dwarf planet, so... It's, we're not counting it as an actual planet. Lord knows if it's like of the nine and then that's like the 10th one, whatever. Fine. It's whatever. Yeah. Um, so it states Cabal this. Go there to mine resources. It states this in the Destinypedia page, which is one of the sources that I use, but I could not find any information to back this up. But I do think that it makes sense. Um, so it, the Destinypedia page states that the uh, forces that. Gaul sent to Mars to reinforce the cabal that were already there um, were successful in driving the Vex from Meridian Bay and destroying the portal to the Black Garden, um, as well as most of the Virgo prohibition, uh, which was the the Vex, uh, I guess, set. uh, uh, Sure. the, The group of Vex that were defending Meridian Bay prior. Um, it's that that'd be like the Vex Legion that was there, yeah, yeah. battalion, whatever you want to call it. I I think that that statement is true because, and this is not two truths, two lies again, but because the next time that we go to the Black Garden, we have to go through another gate mm-hmm. on the moon. Yeah. We don't end up going back through Meridian Bay. So I think and I think fact, that we that's, never I, revisit or even talk about that other gate. Yeah. So I I think that that is true. I think I think that cabal forces have overtaken that because that's the other thing too is when again skipping kind of forward in time when we look at the the intro to the witch queen campaign the cabal are bringing this massive freaking cannon to a base that's there on Mars that it had to have come from somewhere right like they right. I, I they could have built it pretty fast but I think that they are just pulling more from their resources that are already there on Mars that Gaul sent to reinforce Mars. Um so yeah, I I think you're right. I I think I as as much as that that could just be just a Destinypedia entry, I think that that we can take that at, at as a as a correct thing until until we're proven wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
while all of these other operations are happening on the Cabal side, uh, Ard, the player guardian, does gain their light back via a shard of the Traveler, which has apparently been out in the swamps somewhere until now. Uh, and uh, they reform the Vanguard, who had been scattered in the, the wake of the attack on the tower. Uh, so we bring them back all together. We learn of the uh, threat of the Almighty as the kind of last ditch. We're just going to take everybody out weapon. Uh, Guardian disables the Almighty and then mounts a attack with the Vanguard against uh, the Cabal and uh, the base that they have within the city. Um, and that's that's an important note to note there too about the Almighty. All we did when we went up there was disable the weapon, because when we learn when we when we get up there, we learn that it is tuned to the resonance of the sun. So if we were to blow up the Almighty, it would take the sun with it. So we right. can't just we can't just take it out. We can't just blow it up. We just disable its weapon, so that way it's just kind of sitting up there. It's just inert, doing whatever it does. Yeah, it's just inert. It's just chilling. Uh, af- after learning that the Almighty has been rendered useless. Uh, the um, consul is very angry with Gaul, and oh sure, I uh, is you know telling Gaul like forget all of this stupid shit that you're trying to do. Just take the light. You have we have the technology to do it. You will be super powered, and you can put a stop to all of this stuff that's now starting to come down around us. Um. And he's refused, you know, Gaul is refusing to do so. He's remaining adamant. No, I need to be chosen. I need to prove that I am worthy. Um, and so the consul kills the speaker. Uh, it's not very clear in the cinematic that it happens in. Um, right. But the consul kills the speaker um, as a means to force Gaul to have no other choice. Uh, because Gaul sees the but, speaker but as before, his one but conduit. But right before, well, and right right before he kills the speaker, the speaker has a has a talk with Gaul about um, the light itself, and and that's where that whole um, devotion, right? Uh, devotion inspires bravery. Bravery leads to sacrifice. Sacrifice leads to death. So feel free to go kill yourself, <laughs> is what the speaker tells Gaul. In the um, which. <laughs> The best lines I think that have ever been given. Fucking, in fucking the game. fantastic, right? Like, feel free to go kill yourself. Like, holy shit, where, <laughs> where was this firepower? Where was this fire? Yeah, but, uh, but that, that, like, that kind of turns Gaul inward. Like, he's like, okay, I, I, that kind of gives Gaul that idea of, okay, I need to find, I, you know, am I not devoted enough? Am I not brave enough? Do I, right. do I not inspire enough? Like, that's. I think that 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 little speech there that the speaker gives uh, Gaul is is very much an inspiring moment for Gaul. And then later on, like like I think almost in the same scene, I think, or or maybe it was the next scene. I think it's the next scene. But yeah. uh, the speaker says something very important, and that's that he talks for the traveler. He never said he spoke to the traveler. And that's that's kind of like it. That's where we see the true um, nature of the speaker as very much a religious figurehead. 
Yeah, he is not um, literally to, to try to guide. He's not. He's not talking to this. To this right. Like they don't have com. They don't have deep conversations over Earl Grey tea on the weekends type thing. <laughs> he just. He just. He just. He just interp. He he tries to give some sort of guiding thing, which is I think that's where we get this idea of like the light is good, the traveler is good, everything about it is good, is because that's how it's been portrayed to us. And so that's where even I think Gaul has that idea of this is a good thing. This this is the this is a god. This is you know this is all powerful. I need to be chosen by it. And and he very much gets very pissed at console Waternoose mm-hmm. uh, after he after Waternoose kills the speaker. Yeah. So the the console um you know mur- murders the speaker, uh, giving Gaul no choice but to take the light. Uh, you know, by by removing his his conduit of understanding what the traveler is looking for, um, and Gull recognizes that he no longer has any other options, um, but he decides that the console also is not worthy of continuing to live. So Gaul kills the console, uh, boom, and then goes forth to his confrontation with the guardian, our guardian, um, who is fighting their way up to him. Um, so here's a, here's a quick question back to our previous episode. Um, remember when we talked about, uh, the, um, what do we call them? The, the downfall of callus, right? Like all the different members were, were given co-conspirators. Yeah, they were all, Mm -hmm. it, it was all, foretold that they would die in certain ways and whatever was the consul's way of death ever told there so the console yes uh so callus says the vile console must die i sentence him to death by his own weapons boom and he literally built gaul from the ground up and his own weapon killed him and uh, I think that is actually really a really good point. So I'm going to read um, or, or you know, paraphrase a little bit. The, the console has some dialogue with Gaul um, after killing the speaker and before being killed by Gaul. Um, so, you know, Gaul says something to the fact of, you know, I must, I must be chosen. I must prove my worth. Uh, the console kills the speaker and then is yelling at Gaul. Um, and says, you know, you have already been chosen, not not by the traveler, but by me. The day I found you as an orphan and raised you to be the warrior who would deliver our people the promise of vengeance. And I, I think the consul trying to say, no, I was the one that chose you. I am the one that decides your worth. I kind of is is part of what made. Gaul finally snap against him because Gaul has oh, been looking I for something think so. to to choose him as a like you are you are your existence is validated as something that makes the universe yeah. better. And yeah. the console is saying Because he was because he was orphaned. He was right. a runt. He was the he was an albino runt that was literally thrown away in the garbage. And and, and I mean the, that's a Say the the console saying like no 
you don't need the traveler to pick you because I already picked you. Like, yes, but you picked him as an implement of your own revenge. And yeah, I think that that's finally the the bit that makes Gaul go. You know what? Fuck you, dude. And yeah, <laughs> snap his neck. Yeah. <laughs> Bunch. By the way, all these are. Oh, this is all in game. This or was all in game. Yeah, these, these are all, all in game cinematics. Mm-hmm. Like, so if you, if you, if if you, the viewer, uh, or you, the listeners of of our podcast, if you all get a chance, go check them out. They are absolutely phenomenal cutscenes. The cinematic, the the cinematography is fantastic. Everything about them is awesome. Just go look up D two vanilla campaign cutscenes, uh, and I'm sure you can find them. Uh, I'm sure Bungie's got a couple of them loaded up on their page. Uh, they're they're really really good, really really fantastic scene. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but so Gaul kills Waterdeuce. So Gaul and kills the console, uh, and then he goes to the top of the immortal of his worship, um, and does exactly what the console forced him to do. He uses the uh the the mesh the shield that they've got around the traveler, and sight uses it to siphon the light power into himself and our guardian arrives at the top um to see him in this like twisting vortex of of light energy as he's being supercharged with it and uh we have our our final showdown uh and during the final showdown he's using supers against us essentially he uses dawnblade and he uses um Say, uh, pretty sure he uses golden gun too. Yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure he uses golden gun. Yeah, or some something similar to it. Um, so we uh, we're we're fighting him, uh, and eventually we defeat him. And um, I saw this as an interesting take on what happens afterwards. So, Gaul, after his after we we kill him, he seems to resurrect and resurrect into you like almost as a being of light. Uh, yeah. And somebody theorized uh, that, and that, that I failed to take down the username. This was something that I saw on Reddit. Um, apologies if, if this was yours. Uh, but If this is yours, uncredited that user, know that we love you. He used some version of the old Sunsinger Radiance Super, uh, which... For those that didn't play D1, Ooh. warlocks could literally spend their super to resurrect themselves for you know, uh, at at the cost of their super bar. And there's a theory that like that's how that's what how he came back at least briefly, um, was through some sort of of ra- radiance. Uh, yeah, I like that theory. But he, in this giant light being form. Uh, declares himself immortal and essentially starts talking shit at the traveler and <laughs> the traveler finally he really does too he totally just turns around and is like what the fuck bro <laughs> it's like i don't need you i've done what i have always done i have taken what i needed uh and we all know the light has to be given it can't be taken yep i uh, cannot be taken and the traveler wakes up and does the first and only thing it has ever done since the destiny games came out <laughs> um no it it did one other thing once it did one other thing once it healed itself 
don't know how, I don't know how that counts. It put its pieces back on. <laughs> it solved the puzzle. Like, come on. It solved a puzzle. It put all the pieces back in the right spots. Yeah. It did something. But the... No, Traveler's never done anything. It's Let's face it, it's just kind of a useless ball that floats above the city. But it uh, it hears some, some smack coming from Gaul, who has stolen the light, who has taken the light uh, in a way that Savathun never did. Um, And maybe that's why the Traveler never specifically stepped in, because its light was given, not taken, and that's its one rule. Yep. Uh, Absolutely. And it uses a massive shockwave of light energy to obliterate the cage that's holding it, disintegrate Gaul, even in his all-powerful light entity form, and then it keeps going. This shockwave in the, in the cutscene, it's shown to encompass all of Earth and then expand outwards and all of the solar system and then expand outwards and all of the galaxy and on and on and on and on. Uh, and perhaps the entire universe was hit with this wave, this, this light wave. Uh, and that is the moment that the darkness or the witness was keyed into the fact that the traveler was still alive. And I think that I think it's a two part thing, right? Like I think that's one part of it, right? Like because at the very end of it, like that was that was the big like bum 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 moment, right? Like mm-hmm. it it shows the it shows the light expanding through the universe, and it hits it washes over these uh, pyramid ships because the collapse has already happened once. Like the the witness was convinced that it had right. ended whatever whatever meddling uh, the light the 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 we're 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 saying this because we have no other again until we're proven wrong this is what we're going with that the gardener or the traveler was defeated there during yep. the collapse mm-hmm. and so the witness would just like he was like all right he's defeated i can go dormant the the universe is just going to end its way the the garden is going to the 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 garden is just going to play itself out and the vex are going to become the final shape and they're going to end the universe and we're all good so he at that point in time the witness had or before um all of this like at at the time of the collapse the witness had convinced he had won but then this light comes over and washes over these pyramid ships and now the witness is like well shit i've seen that power before Mm -hmm. i need to go deal with it but i think at the same time since it does wash that far out it washes over another ship the leviathan and that's what keys the well so yes you're you're probably correct by nature of it going everywhere i'm sure it hit the leviathan at some point the leviathan was already headed to soul though prior to this and why was that uh because from our last episode callus was tracking gaul to take revenge on gaul and he stated in his letter to Gaul, like, I know you're going to the soul system. I'll see you there, essentially. Uh, gotcha. So he, gotcha. he was already set on his course before the death of Gaul and the, the light explosion. I'm curious. I'm curious if the light explosion physically did anything. Because the light is a paracausal ability. Like, it, it, it is a paracausal mm-hmm. power. I'm curious if it did something on a paracausal level to the Leviathan and everything on the Leviathan 
just, I mean, did, did it do something to him? Do we know if it did anything to him? I mean, if it did, there's no record of any changes happening. Um, that's that's kind of mind blowing. Because like, I mean, th- this, this is... paracausal power just washed over everyone, and and they're like, oh, that was weird, and they just continue on their path. Like that's. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know what else, like what else would they do? You know, I... I I mean, you got a point. Yeah, like this thing just washed over him as a shockwave. Like they don't really have anything else to do other than oh. That was weird, and just continue on. And yeah. and technically speaking, it's happened at least once before with the the origins of the Awoken, which will be a future episode. Uh, we like the light wave happens, and it connects yep. with a a dark wave essentially. Um, but that's way out in the the edges of our solar system where the Exodus Green was. So presumably, that light wave went through all of the planets prior to that and all of the human civilians on those planets. Um, you know, and they, <laughs> and every, everyone they just fine. went, huh? That was weird. Well, they, they, <laughs> they were already having day. a bad day at that point. So That's, I guess you're right. Like up until this point, like the cabal have been ravaging through the entire solar system, just fucking shit up left and right. And then this wave washes over and everyone's like, huh? I guess I'll go back to fighting Cabal like I was doing yesterday. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, another, like, an interesting thing to think about with that, though, is if it did go universe-wide, um, what about other sentient species in other galaxies that <laughs> had nothing to do with the light or just, dark up till this just, point? Just random fucking Joe Blow fucking alien go, what the fuck was that? <laughs> I've never seen that kind of weather before. (laughs) And Joe Blow Alien's wife is like, I don't know, but get back to fucking plowing the field, you little shit. (laughs) You know, that's exactly what happened out there, too. Like, that's... (laughs) But, um, so... Oh, my God. (laughs) Gaul is defeated. And shortly thereafter... 100% defeated. Shortly thereafter, the ship of the, the Leviathan shows up in our solar system. Um, near Nessus, near near Nessus, with an orbit of Nessus, I, uh, and it immediately sets to work on reclaiming the Cabal Empire. I, uh, so the the Red Legion, who is leaderless at this point, um, is just spread throughout the solar system, with you know only a very loose chain of command. However high it happened to go in, you know that particular unit units planet very um very broken chain of command very yeah I mean, like they're not talking to each other fractured. uh they don't have anywhere to turn to anymore it's just purely survival at this point yep. uh and now out of the blue comes callus who is bringing forth saying you know i will forgive you you can join and become part of my new empire i uh, and his new legion which he simply calls the loyalists the loyalist legion um and a lot of them jump at the opportunity because like that's better than where they were at and uh yeah. although callus was you know taken out into coup it's implied that he wasn't completely hated like that that was the whole reason they had to yeah. exile him instead of killing him outright was because he was well received as emperor and they thought that killing him would cause an uproar um, oh, absolutely. So it's very possible I mean, some of with, these soldiers... With how much of a... 
Well, with how much of like a golden age he kind of brought them, right? Like, yeah, Callus very much lived it up. Like he was very much like you know, wine, sex, and drugs, rock and roll, fucking a right, man. Let's live it up. And so, to to take a figure like that that has that much um, personality about him, that would have absolutely like I think that would I think I think if they had killed Cabal if they had killed Callus, the Cabal might have ended itself. Like I, the Cabal I truly and the soul think that they would have gone at least, yeah. Absolutely, I think they would have warred out in in no man's land, just just fighting for for eternity. I I would think um, over the loss of this of this great leader of of this great emperor Callus. Mm-hmm. Um. So Callus offers a a place to go for some of the the remains of the Red Legion. A lot of them gravitate towards him. Some of them don't. Some of them go, you know what, I, I, we were better under Gaul, like he lost, but his way of thinking, the, the military way of thinking is correct, so I'm not going to join Callus. Um, but Callus got enough that he, he formed his own legion called the Loyalists, uh, and he discovered that the Guardian is the one that killed Gaul. I. Uh, and as a similar to the end of uh you know the how the consul died i sent sentenced him to death by his own weapons um for gaul there isn't anything in particular he just says that to the one who kills gaul i will offer an audience before my throne and that's exactly what he does he sends an invitation to the guardian um which we find by killing a cabal and having it drop from them <laughs> uh in game yeah <laughs> but it, literally <laughs> but it's an invitation addressed to us the guardian uh to board the leviathan i uh, we do so which we talked about um last episode kind of the different areas of the leviathan and callus you know intentionally puts us through tests within his his palace on the leviathan to uh take our measure um essentially right. and to kind of like deem us worthy right like right because that that whole like i grant an audience with i i think because he saw because he callus saw gall um in the arenas back on tour bottle um and and liked him like he he very much saw this as a as a great warrior mm-hmm. and so to me whoever could defeat that great warrior has got to be an even greater warrior, right? So, like, that, yep. that should be... And I, I think that's the whole reason why... Um, well, obviously not the whole reason, but he literally invites them to, a, to an audience with him. But I think that's why he's, he's giving that, that invitation out, is to say, I want to meet this warrior. I want to possibly bring this warrior into my fold. I want, I want this warrior as not just a, a person to have a conversation with or, or you know, grant riches or whatever. I want this warrior as like my my new number like right hand man my my new general type thing is is what I think that that's that's at least the way I saw that invitation. Yeah, well and up to this point and even during the time that he wrote that uh bounty on Gaul, Callus has been gathering shadows. Uh and so he's he's already been in in the market of like okay, I'm going to gather these great and powerful warriors to my side. Uh, so that they can help me herald in the end of the universe in the way that I think it needs to be done. 
Uh, yep. And so we we go through the Leviathan raid, um, and which culminates in a show showdown with Callus, uh, or at least who we think is Callus. And then as you complete the encounter, it turns out to be a uh, robot that's just made to look like him or look like how we believe he did look at one point in time. Um, and uh, he's like, hey, good job. You beat everything I put in front of you. You've proven you're strong. Here, have some rewards. And uh, you are worthy of, of being by my side at the end if you so choose. Uh, and is there any, any reason at all? Like, like this, this, that is the one thing that's always confused the piss out of me out, out of the original Leviathan. Why was there a robot callus? So there is a reason. We get what that reason is when we talk about the Glycon. Uh, okay, then. But it it's essentially not not to spoil too much of the glycon, um, but it it is that Callus is no longer in a physical physically fit state to do much of anything, let alone fight. I mean, he's six got, guardians, uh, despite his claims to shit, of, right? of power. Uh, it's not just that. I think it's it's also he's been doing things to himself, um, oh. to to you know, make himself closer to the, to the dark or, or closer to what, whatever it saw, whatever he saw at the end of the universe, which we theorize is the witness. Um, Sounds like a lot of naughty thing. Sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. Experiment. No, that's even worse. Nope. nope just end it there. End nope. It there. End it there. We were there and then we left. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh so after our our initial proving through the through the leviathan um we then have a bit of a an additional opportunity to show our power when the leviathan ends up uh gobbling up a chunk of nessus that happened to contain an axis mind uh by the name of argos oopsies um and we're talking like big mind like bigger oh yes. than quoria Oh yes, mine. Like this, this guy is freaking huge. We're talking like, uh, end of the universe mind. Like this is a a huge mind that this that that the Leviathan gobbled up in the process of eating Nessus. And it's a mind that um, it is stated that if it's not dealt with, like it could potentially cause either the the destruction or downfall of the Leviathan, um, or at the very least would stop it from functioning. Uh, so I mean, if we, if there's anything Vex are, they're freaking resilient, and they are freaking. They have one, one thing. I they literally are governed by one thought: survive, mm-hmm. or not even survive, exist. Yep. Uh, and yeah, that existence that's... comes from eternal propagation. Uh, and so Callus takes the opportunity to say, like, "Hey, Guardian, I got a problem." If you fix it for me, I'll give you some good stuff because he knows that's what that's what drives us. Uh, you know, grow, grow fat <laughs> with strength. If, if, um, if there's anything that drives a guardian, it's more freaking loot. Yep. <laughs> Say, look no further than a good loot weekend for trials to see how true that is. Uh, Shit, you're not wrong. <laughs> you know what? You are not wrong. 
So, but during, uh, as you complete the uh, removal of the mind, the access mind, uh, which this, this was all in a raid layer uh, called uh, Eater of Worlds, Callus gives this dialogue. If you seek the means to live to your potential, I can guide you to it. There is power in the universe far beyond your feeble light. I leave you with those words and these parting gifts. Take them and grow fat from strength. The parting gifts being the, the loot at the end. Uh, so he's already, he's already toting the, I, I found the darkness. Yeah. To he's us. already saying like, yeah, your light is cute, but I know so much grander, so much stronger things that exist. And I'll share them with you if you just, you know, bow your head. Solve and my problems. Say that you're, <laughs> that, you, that I own you. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So. Which that, that right layer was released uh, uh, during uh, what, what we as veterans call the dark times of Destiny 2. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the 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 first expansion uh curse of osiris Osiris, yeah uh which okay i'm gonna tangent just for a second here i promise i won't linger on this long tangent alert i i really did what tangent alert oh tangent alert i thought you said danger alert i was like (laughs) no 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 it's not that bad (laughs) uh but yeah so i as much as curse of osiris and uh, Warmind, those two expansions kind of catch a lot of flack. Um, and even Bungie themselves have acknowledged, like, yeah, this wasn't the greatest of times. I I still enjoyed them. Like, narratively, they were fantastic. Um, I really did like the the whole weekly thing of the building the different weapons uh, during um, Curse of Osiris, where, like, it was, it, it was like, like, what was it, like, King, King Queen Jack uh, or Jack 3 or whatever, and all these really cool weapons that you could build mm-hmm. uh, that, that was on a, on a weekly rotating thing that they, you know, if you had done, you know, three, five, and 10, you now get access to seven, eight, and one or something like that. And then as you do those, you get more access. And, you know, if it, it was a really neat way of, of creating a, a comeback and play each week um, uh, game cycle loop. But yeah, I think, I think a lot of people missed out on, 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 that portion of destiny because it's it 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 was it was kind of hastily put together i feel like and destiny was not really in a good spot at the time but it it released i I, I think it was it was a victim of of circumstance in a lot of cases i agree that the story was actually not bad in my opinion um i know it it has it certainly had issues and, and a lot of people point those out as part of you know, Destiny's uh, problems at the time. But I feel like if you were to release the same exact content now, it would be much better received. Um, I, I think, think so too, think especially was, with the seasonal format that we have right now. Yeah, I, I think it was it was a byproduct of uh, Vanilla had, had been out for a significant amount of time. Um, you know, some of the, the luster had had worn off at that point and people were like, you know, I really don't like the double primary thing. And uh, it just feels 
really stale and I don't really have reasons to go get guns because guns did not have random rolls then. Once you got one, it was it. Uh, and they were looking for the expansion to really give them more reason to go do things. They're looking for the expansion to to fix some of that or to give them so much more content that they could ignore it for a little bit and it did not do either of those and that's the big reason why people soured so uh so much around curse of osiris in my opinion i i i think you i yes i agree (laughs) all right so yeah uh tangent done okay tangent off tangent done uh so yeah so so either world happens uh we we solve another problem for Callus inside his Leviathan ship. Uh, and then, then what? So the, the next thing that I, I want to talk about is the last raid layer of Leviathan that was the Spire of Stars. And this has some importance to the Cabal uh, outside of just like, eh, we ate a Vex. I, I need someone to go deal with it. <laughs> um, Whoopsies. <laughs> Guardian, your name is now Pepto. Uh, oh shit! <laughs> oh shit! So upset stomach diarrhea. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what's happening now. Yeah. Um. So we we talked about you know a large portion of the Red Legion did gravitate towards Callus as their new leader, but there were some that did not want to to you know be subservient to Callus again. They didn't agree with his philosophies. Uh, and those members of the Red Legion propped their own uh, leader up as a replacement, uh, as a command, a new commander for the Red Legion. And his name was Val Kaur. Um, and uh, now, what's the what's the significance of Val? Because I I I that's one thing that I I know is pretty common amongst the the cabal we we know we have things like baron and primus and and um what's another one uh, i can't think of another one now yeah so let's see here but like there's there's like val tarak val val nashav val whatever like that's is is there some significance of being named val apostrophe something is that like a yes. is that like a, so that, a general that is a rank. A, a, um okay so Val is the second lowest in command in the Cabal Legions and serves as a captain to a Cabal unit. Uh, is typically a bodyguard for a Valis. Uh, and a Valis is the third highest um, and the highest uh, then being the Primus or Dominus. So you have Primus, Ado- that's what Primus Gaul- slash Dominus at Gaul- the very top. Which was Gaul. Right. Gaul was named as a Dominus, and that's was that just his version of Primus? That was just him saying, I'm trying to break away from the old ways type thing and I'm calling myself Dominus, or were there any was there ever any other Dominuses? Um Dominuses? So I don't know if there were any other Dominus. Uh there are other Primus. So you you can be a Primus and a Dominus at the same time, but being a Primus does not mean you are a Dominus. So I'll do the, the gotcha. full hierarchy here. So you have the Dominus at the very top, or Emperor, which Gaul refused to call himself. Um, 
below that then is Primus, and the Primus is the head of a particular legion. So Gaul was both the Dominus of all Cabal and the Primus of the Red Legion. Underneath, kind of ballsy to take on two rules. Yeah, underneath the Primus is where you have the Valus, who uh, is like the Vice Admiral, I guess is, is a way to equate them. Um, okay. They they so kind are, of in charge of like a like a single ship or something like that. Yeah, it, uh, in charge of units uh, within yeah, a, yeah. a legion, like a, like a detachment or something. Yeah, and yeah. then um, Val is under Valis and maybe given leadership of you know a small group within a unit kind of thing, um, a, a small strike. So if force. we were to look at this, and so to me, thinking with my army brain, um, we'd have like. A general, uh, you know, president or emperor—that'd be the top one. Then you'd have your your main general, and then below that you'd have like your lieutenant colonel uh, or or colonel that would be in charge of like a battalion. And then below that would be your uh, battery commanders or company commanders. Uh, that that'd be like your your valus, um, and then or sorry, that would be your val. So your your primus would be your general. Your Valus would be your uh, lieutenant colonel or fullbird colonel, um, and then below that would be your your captains, like you were saying. That would be your Val, uh, and then is there anything below that? Brockus is below that. Brockus. So that'd be like your platoon uh, leaders. So that'd be that'd be the next thing down from your from your battery or company commanders would be your your platoon. So so yeah, that yeah. That structure makes sense. Yep. Oh my god, I understand Cabal military <laughs> structure because I was in a military. Oh my god. <laughs> so here's here's the fun thing though. I'm relating this back to to the current season. So when Saladin is conscripted, kind of into Keitel's uh, Cabal, Keitel's Empire. Oh, there's he's no, conscripted there's no originally as Brockus Forge, so the lowest level of command in the the Cabal army. But still a level of command. But still like, that's a level kind of, of command. Yep. That's kind of like, that's a big deal. So, but because the way apparently, um, and I'm, I'm going off memory a little bit here. I don't have it in front of me. But the way that Cabal gain rank is by defeating a Cabal of their desired rank in combat. In like a, a ritualistic combat. And... We do, we when, do the same thing in the military. We just go out back and kick the shit. No, we don't do that. No, that's not a real thing. No, not, do not, do not, no. So when Brockus Forge, Brockus Saladin Forge is challenged by a Valis as to not, you shouldn't be here, you know, you, you are not worthy of being a cabal. I'm going to, you know, defeat you in combat and, and exile you from us. Um, when, when Saladin defeats him in combat, Saladin hops the whole Val rank and goes straight from Brockus to Valis. That's, that's kind of, uh, that's a jump. Which theoretically, I suppose, means that, um, he has the ability to command units of the Imperial Cabal and actually does so. In uh, the Psyop mission, where he is saying, yeah. "I am, I am sending units to you 
as as support during yeah. some of the psyops. Uh, well, he talks. They also talk about, uh, and I'm curious if this is a if this is more of an Iron Banner thing or not. But he talks about having like the instead of like uh, Iron Wolves, they have Iron War Beasts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, is that is that like his personal version of like? That might be what he's named what his called, unit. Like bodyguards or something. That's. I'm curious if that's what it is. Like, he's just anyone anyone that takes on that Iron Banner uh, philosophy, and because Keitel even mentions. You know that they've done, they've done, they've taken their own form of Iron Banner, mm-hmm. which I hope to God we get to see next season, which would be super awesome if we have like Cabal Banner or <laughs> Iron Cabal Banner or whatever. Anyway, it would be cool. But uh, I'm not gonna hold my breath. <laughs> right. Anyway, so, so so they're holding these Iron Banner matches out here in Cabal Land, and I'm assuming like when he's getting these guys that are worthy of being what would essentially be an, an Iron Wolf or an Iron Lord. He is starting to make them Iron War Beast or you know something Cabal equivalent, and and that's what he's forming his 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 unit as is mm-hmm. what it seems like. Yeah, no, I think so. Again, not to jump ahead and then to jump back, but that's what's. Uh, so back to back to go back, back to, to Spire, Spire of Stars. Stars here. So Val <laughs> Kahur, so the second lowest rank of Cabal leadership, uh, sees the power vacuum left behind by. Gaul and essentially like proclaims himself the new Primus of the Red <laughs> Legion. Um, I mean, that's which is that's quite what the jump. The power vacuum. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but he's successful enough that that the other members of the Red Legion follow him, or or those that don't want to follow Callus follow Valkahor, uh, and yeah. they lead a fleet against the Leviathan in an attempt to kill Emperor Callus and seize the ship as the Red Legion's new, like, home base. Yeah, like uh, their flagship type thing. Yeah. Yep. And he, um, Valkahur, as well as a, a number of the Red Legion, are successful in occupying the area referred to as the Spire of Stars, which I believe is, like, an observatory, um, I traditionally, think you're right. on the Leviathan. And I... They even destroy one of Callus's robot duplicates uh, yep. in, in their siege. So Callus responds by leading, or I, I don't remember him explicitly like requesting that guardians come to his aid, but I think he, he leads them to uh, fight against Valkahur, um, you know, with the promise of shinies, essentially. <laughs> uh, that's all we need is just a promise of loot <laughs> <laughs> and you know again it just when when we are successful in doing so now we've killed the second leader of the red legion and the few that survive this encounter truly i i, I don't think they ever have a leader again um until wow. uh red Keitel red legion around. are very broken i yep. uh, so, you know, we've, we've essentially completely eliminated any real militaristic threat from the Red Legion. Um, and, you know, Callus again, does the whole, like, you are very powerful, you've proven yourself to me, have some armor and weapons, and, uh, you know, when the end comes, you can stand right here next to me. Uh, yeah. And then that leads us into... The season of opulence, uh, which now what what is the word opulence? 
So the, I think that that we'll start we'll start with that. So the definition of opulence, I think, is going to be a good place to start, uh, and it literally means great wealth or luxuriousness, which is what Callus uh, is all about. Um, wine, wine, sex, and rock and roll, pretty much, and and drugs. I. Uh, but but mainly wine and sex. <laughs> I think mainly wine and for Callus, but yeah. I, I was just say I think I'm gonna take that one step back and go <laughs> mainly wine. <laughs> Um, the royal wine that apparently makes them immortal or something. I don't know. Something. Uh, it hurts us. That's all I know. So Callus opens up the menagerie as a means for guardians to continue to hone their abilities. Uh, and the cabal in the menagerie are of Callus's loyalists legion. Um, like these are these are not enemy cabal to Callus that we're getting rid of for him. I the cabal in there, he has ordered them and said, like, hey, I want to make the guardians stronger and they need something to hone themselves against. I'm going to send you to certain death to be their whetstone. And they do it. Because that well, is and- and that is the fervor that they have around their their leader. I uh, and and again, just for those of you that weren't there for the season of opulence, there was an activity called the menagerie. <laughs> Sorry, I, it it makes me laugh every time I think of these things that that myth myth and I obviously we've been playing Destiny for a very long time. We we played a lot of D one, uh, we played a lot of D two. It's 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 funny when 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 we start mentioning these things. That just don't exist that yeah uh and, and even some of our viewers have said hey i just started playing destiny at the just before witch queen started and found you guys and this is a great way to catch up on lore so for those of you that weren't able to experience some of this stuff i really hope they bring some of this stuff back like it i, I it's go go look up some videos of it um try to get some type of 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 experience of it because it, it really was a lot of fun it was a six-man activity that Callus literally gives you this cup, right? Like he gifts it to you. Yeah. And you put little you gather little gemstones and you put gemstones in it in a certain way and when you got to the end of it, you got loot. And it it was it was actually really fun to just go through and you could get different roles, you could get different guns with different roles and there was this whole like, hey, if you did this, this is your first rune, this is your second rune, this is your third rune you'll get this type of gear or this type of armor or this type of gun or this type of whatever. Really, really fun little match made activity that also had a, a heroic version of it that was absolutely amazing. Fun, 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 fun activity. Um, but it has a part, like, like as far as lore-wise, the menagerie had a purpose. Yes. Uh, and it wasn't just Cabal that were in the menagerie that we were fighting. Callus had scooped up, uh, usually by force, any... Uh, of the races that were were in the solar system, we fought the Vex in there. We fought the Hive in there. Um, I don't know that we fought the Fallen. I don't remember there being a Fallen section. I don't remember I being the Fallen. Because I'm um, trying to think of like the final bosses in there. There was the three. There was the two. There were two hive, Vex. Or two Because uh, you, you had the, the, the third one. Hi, the Mind and the... Um, and the Minotaur. And the the Minotaur, giant Minotaur with yeah. the waves. I, what the hell was the third one? The ogre. It was the ogre. So hive. That's it. Yeah. That's it. There was so I think it was yep, just Vex it. and Hive, 
primarily um, with Cabal mixed in there. Uh, so yeah, it, he had built these challenges for us to make us stronger was the whole purpose because he saw that as making fat with his own future tools stronger. Yep. Uh, and he put those tools to good use with the final raid of the Leviathan location, which was called the Crown of Sorrow. And the Crown of Sorrow has a very interesting history around it uh, that I'm going to actually do some... We, we've been uh, more paraphrasing and more you know, stating from, from our own gameplay experiences. Uh, Crown of Sorrow has a lot of lore cards around it that I want to read because I think they're important. Um, Absolutely. Because Crown of Sorrow is not just the name of a raid. It's the name of a very, very important item. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the Crown of Sorrow was a, was a literal crown, or I guess helmet is a better term for it. Um, and we get to learn where it came from and what it did and why it was important. So to start with that, I'm going to read off uh, the Shadow's Greaves, which were the Crown of Sorrow Titan leg armor from the raid. And this is from Callus's point of view, and he says this. We found the crown of sorrow on a stray war moon. The scions guessed that the ritual texts surrounding it claimed it was crafted in imitation of the taken king's power to compel will. It did the opposite, of course, and consumed my loyalist, Galron. That was my first encounter with the witch. She has been plaguing all of my loyalists since then as a sort of viral language, perhaps even you. But she can be beaten. The Hive are not true beings of the dark, not compared to what I met at the Black Edge, not compared to me. I shall find her in her ascendant plane before the end, and we will have words. And I also want to read the Shadow's Gauntlets, which are the uh, Crown of Sorrow Titan arm pieces. And they expand a little further on this. The Hive left the Crown of Sorrow on one of their war moons, and my shadows waged such a campaign to take it. We did, and we converted it into an Athenium world. But the crown was a trap. A trap for me. I suspected as much which is why I did not wear it. After initial tests, my scions determined it was a seeing device of sorts, feeding all sorts of data to someone or something deep in the ascendant plane. But seeing devices look both ways. I had to have it, and I had to have someone wear it, because I believe I could control the hive through a shadow surrogate. The hive are not true darkness. Not what I saw at the Black Edge, but they would provide an army just the same. Proud Galron was bred specifically to bring them under my control. So I have more lore cards, but I'm going to pause there for a second. So Callus waged a campaign against a hive war moon, which we've talked about before, are literal moons, celestial bodies that hive have carved out into uh you know space traveling cities essentially same 
Same thing they're trying to do to our moon. Yep. Uh, they they went to this this war moon. They waged a campaign Which against real, it. And real they quick, found now that I say that, the crown there. Now that I say that, it makes me it makes me kind of think: Is the Hellmouth just a giant uh, exhaust engine? I mean, maybe. <laughs> that that would make a certain amount of sense, I guess. Although we go into the Hellmouth to get to or or get to Crota, which I don't I don't quite know how that worked to be honest. But well. Remember when we go in there, we jump and we just fall. That's true. We just fall forever, and then we just break our legs at the bottom or die. Like those are the most of us just die because we can't remember the countdown. But that's not anyway. Anyway, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Continue. So, um, Callus finds this crown in this this war moon that they apparently obliterate the hive that are there to get to it. Uh, and he recognizes that it it is this device is a trap. This device is meant for someone to put it on and they are now under the control of whoever controls this crown which he refers to as the witch and i think it's safe to say that would be savathun yep so savathun left this crown whether it be for callus specifically or just as a a trap one of many that she may have spread throughout the galaxies uh and Callus finds it, recognizes God of Cunning does. what it is, and uh, he goes. He decides, okay, I'm not going to wear it. Instead, I'm going to make a cabal. I'm going to breed a cabal from his birthing chambers, from his cloning chambers, uh, with a specific genetic makeup that I think is going to work best to give them the ability to control whatever's on the other end of this crown of sorrow and that's kind of a that's a that's a bold move right uh and the cabal that he creates is named galron uh and galron is kind of a really sad story honestly he's a a little baby cabal from from the point where galron is born to the point where we kill him in in the raid as as the final boss uh is in game maybe a number of hours like he he has literally not been alive for a full day by the time that he's, he goes he's insane just a little baby and is cabal. Then, you know dealt with um but we get a little peek to Galron's point of view in a web lore so this was a, a lore card that Bungie put out on their Twitter and the Bungie.net page uh, that was called Am I to Cast a Shadow? And this is from Galron's point of view. And it says this. Galron knelt before his emperor in a chamber of gold. Every surface reflected a resplendent sheen that blinded him. What is this place? he asked. Many things, Callus replied, lounging with his cheek in his palm. This chamber once held an arcborn the only one of her kind to leave the interstellar conduits of her people. It is the place where Valis Noor earned her shield in trial by combat. Shadows were cast here. History was made. Am I to cast a shadow? Yes, you were bred to be a sorrow-bearer. I seek a hive commander, but those are not so readily available. So I made you. The council says the hive cannot be contained. They worry. 
Callus raised an eyebrow. Who among them? Counselors Rall and Verloren. The emperor shook the golden chamber with his gahoff. Only a few hours old, and already your words have killed two. Galron pondered what his emperor could mean. I will enjoy you, Callus said, and keyed a hidden control on the armrest of his divan. The ceiling shrieked as it opened like an eye. Galron craned his neck to stare at two hovering counselors descending with a massive plated helm from the vast iris above. He could hear a litany of voices shouting down at him from inside the thing as it slowly descended. He thought they sounded like warnings, but there were no discernible words in the speech. What is that? he asked his emperor. Callus finished the royal nectar in his chalice before belching. Your crown. Galron thought he could glimpse a faint violet glow on the inside of the helm as it drew near. Isn't it beautiful? Callus asked as the voices echoed from the, cha- from the helm grew louder. No, Galron replied. He thought he should run. He tried to stand, but he found that he could not. Rooted to the floor before the emperor's throne by the will of the counselors. I do not like this, Galron said. This, said Callus, as the counselors crowned Galron, is why you were born. The violet interior filled Galron's vision. What does it feel like? asked the emperor. Fear, Galron said. Callus must have responded. But Galron couldn't hear him over the cacophony of voices. He suddenly found that he could see through a hundred billion eyes, and that he could eat with teeth enough to consume entire solar systems. And he felt beautiful. A little peek into the very oh. sorry oh. first, you know. First minutes Hour. or hours of Galron's very short life. That's I well, and the the one point where he's like, "Interesting, you've, you've only a few, only an, less than an hour old, and you've already killed two. Like he literally spoke those two names, and Cal's just gonna have them killed. Yep, like absolutely. he's just gonna go murder those two guys. Like those two guys are fucked. Sucks to suck. You two consulars, whatever. Don't even care about you anymore because you're dead. Um. So yeah, so they and then he's got scions that are literally holding him in place. Yeah, he's literally forcing this newborn. I say newborn. He he's a clone, so he's like fully grown, but newly brought into existence. Cabal is being shackled psionically in place while they put this this implement of mind control on him, um, and just hope for the best, essentially. <laughs> uh, that's bold. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a little more information about how all that goes down. Um, this is from the Shadow's Plate, which is the uh, Crown of Sorrows Titan chest armor piece. Um, and this is Callus again speaking to us. You've no doubt visited the ritual baths aboard the Leviathan, have you not? If you haven't, you must. And true, it is a place of recreation for my beloved soldiers. But did you know that they are born there? 
Yes, the joyful, axe-wielding, ceremonial bathers are but seconds into their lives when you cut them down. They are created from genetic patterns of the most virile martial artists of a bygone cabal era. And Galron, the sorrow-bearer, was once one of them. I played with his pattern, made certain he would be of strong mind and will as much as body. He had but one purpose, to bear the crown of sorrow and make the hive mine. Imagine my chagrin when his very personality was annihilated within minutes of exposure. Whatever viral language was etched into the crown's interior had taken over. Until you ended him, he belonged to a witch. So that's an interesting implication that uh, Savathun, at least by Callus's telling, was in direct control of Galron while he was wearing the crown and presume, you know, would be presumably responsible for anything he did while he had the crown, which was mostly just really try and make as much of a mess of the Leviathan as possible with the hive. Absolutely. Because there's that, the, the hive chitin, creep, cretin, chitin, creepin. It's all over the place in there. Yep. Uh, so the final bit about crown, uh, or the final lore card about crown, comes to us from the Shadow's Helm, which is the Titan uh, helmet from Crown of Sorrows. Uh, and Callus has this to say to us. I thank you for freeing Galron, the Sorrow Bearer, from his waking death beneath the Crown of Sorrow. Speaking of which, don't your kind love to tempt hive artifacts? I've been familiarizing myself with Guardian histories, and they say one of you worshipped the Hive to the extent that he betrayed the light. If this story isn't a sham, a shadow of your Titan tribe would be perfect for replacing Gowron. I need someone hardy like you to carry the crown in his place. Will you wear it when I ask you? Because the day will come. You don't have to answer right now. Think about it, and take this helmet in its place for now. Interesting. So uh, the Titan that, I, that he's referring to there that uh, worshipped the Hive to the extent of betraying the light, I think, is, is Dredgen Yor. Um, yep, or it, absolutely. That seems to be the most obvious. Uh, either him or, I guess, Toland, maybe, but Toland didn't uh, use an Toland artifact. Toland was a warlock, though. Right. Um... And it's interesting that at least at one point in time, Callus had an idea to make us wear the crown of sorrow. Um, although I think Absolutely. that's before he had different plans for it. Yep. Well, and then when we when we do get to the end of that raid uh, and we kill Galron, uh, the crown falls on the ground, and we can physically go inside of it. Like it's oh, it's huge. huge. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and on the inside, there's all sorts of hive uh, um, lettering uh, in there. There's all those little hive symbols, the, the hamburger, the pizza, the Tesla, all that stuff. Um, which, no, this isn't a hive episode. <laughs> this isn't a hive uh, episode. <laughs> there's one symbol that's different from all the other ones, and it's right in the center at the very top, and that is the symbol of Sabathun. Yes, which just makes sense with, you know, Callus uh, attributing Savathun as being the one controlling whoever has the, the crown. Um, so, 
that you know we we defeat Galron and the crown is uh still in the the Leviathan still under Callus's control he has it he just hasn't put it on anybody uh at least not for for it's, a good long it's, time it's weird to me to think that this crown like we killed baby Galron and this crown falls and we don't like go pick it up and deal with it like like we just leave it there i think that that's, the implication is that weird. um how would we do anything, you know, like I give yeah, I'll give you that. We're one. we're in the heart of what has thus far been an ally but has very clearly you know has made it very clear that they could become an enemy if at any point they think we're more trouble than we're worth. Um yep. And you know, presumably at least by what they're telling us is far more powerful than anything we have shown them up till that point. Yeah, uh, you know whether or not that's a bunch of bull or or true, we don't know. But we also maybe didn't want to find out. <laughs> that's the ultimate ending to season of opulence. We go through the menagerie, we fight all these cool things to to try to become stronger. There, there is one more thing I wanted to mention about the menagerie and the crown of sorrow raid itself. Mm-hmm. There's this lore book that we're putting together as we go through it with all these different scannables, and this lore book is. Um, I can't remember the exact name of it, but it is um, Callus's personal um, reading of the end of the world. Well, it's uh, it's like his personal predictions about how the end of the world are going to go. Uh, that's a, that's a better way to put it. I didn't look into those too too much, just because they're not really about the cabal per se. They're more about right. just Callus's theories about uh, how things are going to happen, and you know, oh, the Callus shadow of Earth is going to kill this person and take over this and X Y Z. Um, and I don't know if he's pulling that information. If it's implied, he's pulling that information from like an Oxa machine of sorts and and Scion that's, prediction. That's the only thing I was curious of because it, it, I'm assuming a, he's having all this dictated to somebody. And and that somebody is writing it down. It's it's a scribe, and I'm thinking that the scribe is a scion. I, I so that's think where so, I was yeah. curious if there was anything, uh, if you knew of anything that could tie that book to the Oxa machine or some t- some something similar. Is there anything in game that you have, that you know of, or even out of game that you know of that that ties the two of those together, or are those purely just what seems like the the ramblings of a madman? So, nothing off the top of my head that directly relates them to the Oxa machine. Um, it might be that those are like visions Callus got from the darkness or or from the witness. Ooh, I uh, that he's oh. he's dictating down. Um, because the witness says something to Mara. Right, the witness shows Mara herself as like. A, a disciple of the witness. And I'm wondering if, if he did, if the witness did something similar for Callus, if that is truly who Callus met, um, then that could be like, so then Callus saw and, these oh, images man. of, Oh, these things happen. And now I'm going to write them down as religious texts to my new Lord and savior. Megamind. <laughs> God, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> shit 
I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> but he absolutely is a mega mind. God dang it. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to recover from that. Hold on. Okay. So, and that's, I guess that's where I was, I was kind of getting at there too, is like, uh, Callus is, all of this is about these shadows that Callus wants to, wants to make or, or, or have that are essentially what we think, um, is his equivalency of disciples. Yeah. Yep. Like that's, that he very much sees that his shadows as like, because Callus obviously is looking at himself as much of like a god, and for him to have met another god at the end of the inter- at the end of the the edge of the universe, and for this god to show him all this stuff and teach him all these things and whatever, and commune with him, and then him to go, oh, okay, well, you have all these disciples. I need to make my own thing that isn't that is disciples, but not call the same thing. So we're just going to call them shadows, and then that's going to be my little personal disciple thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because uh... that's what that god did. So since I'm a god, I've got to do that too. So I, I found the, the lore book um, that dictates these predictions we're talking about. It, it's, the book is called The Chronicon. Uh, it's That's what it was. not available in game anymore, so you'd have to go to like Ishtar Collective if you don't have it. Uh, uh, I think it is. I think oh. they made all of the Chronicon available in game. I stand corrected. Because uh, a lot of the lore, I, I, I know I have it in game, but I went through and collected all the pieces of it. But I also have stuff from like the Sundial that I didn't get all the pieces of, but I now have all the pages of. Well, if they did that, that's super awesome. Hopefully you just have it then. But if not, Ishtar Collective I, has them. Um, I think it is. But the very first paragraph of the very first chapter of the Chronicon says, the following pages are a true and authentic publication of the incredible deeds and remarkable discoveries of the Emperor Callus, greatest emperor of the Cabal, witnessed by his most loyal allies and recorded by his most trusted scribes. So yeah. it kind of sounds like Callus is just making shit up. <laughs> He's definitely just blowing smoke up our ass. That's exactly <laughs> what's happening here. The most glorious, greatest emperor ever known to the history of the Cabal. Callus, Emperor Grandiosus. Yeah, yeah, no, that's... Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's blowing smoke up our ass. So. Okay, well... Um. Yeah. Then I'll I'll say that that's a a good point to stop at, and we'll pick up uh, next time at the uh, at the sundial. And so we'll sounds yeah. good. So plans for next episode. Then um, we're gonna get through the sundial, uh, the fall of Torbottle, um, the rise of and uh, initial interactions with uh, Empress Keitel. And then, hopefully, the Glycon and Vox Obscura. Those are kind of the so major points that we're going to be we're going to be touching on. Uh, and whereas for some of these things, we've kind of been generalizing. So like the Leviathan, we kind of generalized a little bit. Um, some of the Leviathan raid layers, uh, we generalized a little bit because they weren't super cabal focused. The Glycon. Right is one that we could do that with, but both Zor and I have talked about it. We feel like the events that happen on the Glycon are so important to what is going on right now in the story and what is likely going to happen in the future season or two that we really want to do a deep dive on that and, and just tell all of it. Um, so we are going to kind of hyper-focus in on the Glycon when we reach that point. Absolutely. 
which will probably be the episode after next, I think. Maybe. We'll, we'll see how it all pans out. Um, this may end up being yeah. a five-episode series, which wasn't the intention, <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is what happens when you hyper-focus the beginning of the season and finish everything, and then you have a whole <laughs> lot of time on your hands. Um, so maybe take things in a little bit of a pace, yeah, right? Like know. maybe pace yourselves. Um, unless you're listening to our podcast, in which case devour all of them in one night if you can. Good luck. So this don't is do that. <laughs> don't don't do that. Uh, so this is you know this is the part of the episode where we get to thank yous and 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 stuff. And last week we did a, a really cool shout out to uh, all of our guys that uh, left left us some very kind comments uh, and reviews on. Uh, 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 Apple Podcast, uh, and so now I'm going to shift it uh, to Twitter. And there've been a there've been a few people that have that have given us some shoutouts on Twitter. Uh, one of them was uh, Sam, and I I I know I'm going to get the last name wrong. Um, Matthew might have to help me with this one. Uh, I believe it's Sam Abraham. Yes. I don't know why that was so hard for me, but that was hard for me. That's what I'm here for. Uh, I. Uh, yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, so Sam was one of the, I think one of the first guys that that left us a a a, a nice comment on Twitter. Um, so thank you, Sam. We really appreciate it. Um, thank you for following us. Thank you for for giving us a shout out. Um, and yeah, we're we're gonna keep this this thing going. Uh, my next one is and and as much as I as much as I love. Ha- trying to make up names for things or 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 entities i i couldn't make this up we have a we have a follower in germany uh who has the title uh astro milf and the moniker she's at queen of thoughtland and she has given us a shout out pretty much every week and told every, everyone everyone that she knows about us and I absolutely adore you for that. Uh, thank you for being our own little personal, uh, I say personal, like our proxy shout-outer. For hyping so, stuff up. Um, it's the, yeah, for being our, our hype. very feel-good. Our hype person. It is. I love it. I absolutely love it. So uh, uh, to Astro Milf, Queen of Thoughtland, thank you. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, and keep spreading the word about us. See if we can get some more Guardians on board on, on, on our on our episodes. Uh, Myth, you got any? Yeah. So at, on that same note, um, we've actually had a, another uh, review come in on Apple podcasts since our last episode um, that I wanted to, to give them a little bit of a shout out to. Uh, this was and a, give me a little bit of a dopamine rush and a feel good feeling. There you go. Uh, this is another five star review by a user entitled Mew 90 P. Um, he says, uh, both presenters have a great dynamic and are very entertaining. I love all of the theories they bounce around. In addition to the lore, uh, both the philosophical, that and the philosophical waxing are very appreciated. I enjoy when you draw parallels to the real world history and religion. Uh, so yeah. Oh man. Thank you. I, I, that's, I love being able to take something in a video game and, and say, look, this, this is as much as this is a video game, like there are things that we can see in this that are happening or have happened 
in our history. And me being the the self-proclaimed history buff that I am, uh, I I think history is good to learn from, and and history can teach us lessons. Uh, and so if I see that in game, and I can see that lesson being taught in game, I I like to be able to point that out and say, hey, this is this is a way to learn. This is this is just another a tool to learn from. So yeah, so thank you. Yeah, say so all those those messages, be it on on Twitter or on uh, Apple Podcasts. Unfortunately, you can't leave a comment. They only allow a review, which you can then add to. Um, but I say any way that you, that you guys can can reach out to us and let us know what you think. Um, you know, maybe you have a different opinion on a particular lore piece. Maybe you just want to stop by and say that you you enjoyed enjoy what we're doing. Any and all that, awesome. We always love hearing about it. I uh, our Twitter. I don't think we've said it yet. This episode is at Myths and Stories, spelt the same way the title is with the Z. Um. So yeah, reach out to us anywhere. Uh, we always love to to hear stuff from you, and uh, you know it will will give you a, a shout out. Hey, uh, well, uh, and then of course thank you, Myth, uh, for doing all the legwork and research. Um, without you, I would be nothing. You you complete me, Myth. All right, I guess. That was an awkward <laughs> pause. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. Nice guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, anything else? No, I think that does it for tonight. Sweet. Well, then, from all of us Lord Nerds to all of you Guardians out there, we'll see you next week.